Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Albums and Alliums, a little podcast series I'm going to be doing where I review some music, um, some of my favorite albums. So since this is the first episode, let me go over the basics of this concept. So once a week, I'll be discussing one of my favorite albums. We'll go through my opinions on each song, what I think the song is about, and then what Genius Lyrics says the song is about, because some people have some very good interpretations, and I think that those are worth sharing. Um, The thing that's going to really set this aside from other podcasts with this very overdone idea is I'm going to be comparing the albums to plants, which sounds very dumb, but in reality, plants throughout history have had lots of different connotations and symbolism and meanings behind them that really can be compared to a lot of really theme-changing albums. So I just think that people can enjoy that, and it'll also be an excuse for me to share my love of music and give some good album recommendations. So today we're going to be starting with one of my albums, um, Bury Me at Makeout Creek by Mitski. This is a 2014 album. Um, So yeah, if you don't know who Mitski is, I don't really blame you. She's not really that well-known of an artist. Um, Mitski is a Japanese-American singer-songwriter born in 1990. She has five complete albums of music, along with a few singles. In her music, Mitski uses clever metaphors and a wide variety of instruments to create gorgeous narratives throughout her albums. Mitski typically writes songs in the indie rock genre, though depending on the album, the songs may vary in mood. So we're going to be going through each song within the album, going line by line, kind of commenting on each line for what I think, and then at the end, we're going to go back and see what Genius Lyrics thinks. For the majority, I did find that I had a lot of similarities, so we're going to just only say what they are from my side and then put in the important differences on the Genius Lyrics side. So let's get into it. Let's open with the first song, Texas Reznikoff. It's beautiful out today. I wish you could take me upstate to the little place you would tell me about when you'd sense that I want to escape. So we open with this very, very common idea, very common throughout the entire album. The familiar theme of longing for her significant other, you know, longing to be with that person but being unable to. Um, Texas is a landlocked state. It's a little bit far away from the water, from the home that I've wanted to make. It's somehow in the city. You make it there and you make it anywhere. Anywhere. But I've been anywhere and it's not what I want. I want to be still with you. So that kind of shows... She has a longing for Texas, not necessarily the state, but maybe the life there, and saying that life in Texas that was carved out for her isn't anything in comparison to the life that she shares with her significant other. Just that whole idea there, right there. Um, you keep your socks on in bed. Keep our hearth warm. See the trees' shadows lie in black pools in the lawns. You're the breeze in my Austin nights. You're the breeze in my Austin nights. You're the breeze in my Austin nights. So the breeze in my Austin nights... I don't know if anyone here is listening from Austin, but Austin, from what I've heard and from what I've looked up, very humid, very hot place. And the breeze is a little bit of relief from that. So that kind of insinuates that this person makes life more bearable for her, really breaking through that thick Austin night. Now, Genius Lyrics has a couple ideas on some of the lines. Um, Texas is a landlocked state. Is actually a inside an inside joke that Mitski shares with the person that she wrote the song about. Because clearly, Texas is not a landlocked state. Um, next, um, keep our hearth warm, which kind of insinuates Mitski's happy ending. She's a warm fireplace and a beloved, and she it's simple, it's simplistic, it's nice. Um, See the trees' shadows lie in black pools in the lawns. That's in quotes. 
um, which is an allusion to the poem Moonlit Night by Charles Reznikoff, which is where half of the title comes from. There's a couple of reasons people think that she included such allusions, but she also just uses allusions commonly in her music. So such some ideas are... Mitski has a knack for describing common things, unusually yet precisely, very unique in her metaphors, and just she likes using very poetic devices. Another common theory is she may feel that the line accurately invokes the feeling of being in Austin, a city that has numerous green areas and lawns that people lounge on. Another popular idea is that she and her lover both associate Reznikov's poetry with each other. There's many reasons that she could have included this line, but really any of them could work. So that's Texas Reznikoff. Let's move on to song two, Townie. There's a party and we're all going, and we're all growing up. Somebody's driving and he will be drinking, and no one's going back. Because we've tried hungry and we've tried full, and nothing seems enough. So tonight, tonight, the boys are going to go for more, more, more. So we open with the imagery of a house party, you know, a bunch of broken teens partying away their sorrows. They've tried everything to change their moods, and nothing really seems to work. The chorus starts, and I want a love that falls as fast as a body from the balcony, and I want to kiss like my heart is hitting the ground. I'm holding my breath with a baseball bat, though I don't know what I'm waiting for. I'm not going to be what my daddy wants me to be. So she really, she wants a love that ends quickly, a really harsh, destructive love that invokes some emotion and makes her feel young again. The comparison of being a high schooler, High school relationships are unreliable, they're often very chaotic and aggressive, and just not good in most cases. Not all cases, of course. Um, She wants that little relationship to leave her winded, and uses a lot of very violent imagery throughout the song. Um, The baseball bat and falling comparison to wanting a self-destructive party and quick love to invoke any sort of fulfillment or emotion... Um, she doesn't want to be what her daddy wants her to be. She's just being defiant, being a teenager, being rebellious, as teenagers are. Verse 2 starts, um, Smell that, it's wet grass and smoke in my hair. I think I've had enough, but he wants a finale, and I came prepared, and we're not going back. And I've tried sharing, and I've tried caring, and I've tried putting out, but the boys, boys, boys keep coming on for more, more, more. And change, change, change is going to come, but when, when, when? Um, It starts with wanting to be done with party life, wanting a little break, and he, maybe a boyfriend, maybe a father, just a male figure, wants a finale. She lets people drag her back in and states that she's tried being caring, outputting a good person, and it really never worked. It never was worth it for her. She wants the change. She expresses the desire for change, but she doesn't know when it's going to come, so she resorts to the self-destructive life until it comes because it's comforting to have something to hold on to. And then just repeats the choruses again. Um, But the outro is where it's different. I'm not going to be what my daddy wants me to be. I'm going to be, or I want to be what my body wants me to be. So Genius Lyrics has some thoughts on it. Um, Just throughout the the entire song, um, they bring up the idea of love coupled with destructive imagery helps to create the idea of self-destructive and rebellious youth acting out just to feel some sort of fulfillment. We go back to the line, I'm not going to be what my daddy wants me to be, which has two common theories that people believe. One idea is that she never wants to subdue herself to men, but the more commonly accepted idea is the idea of defiance from how her father wants her to behave, you know, that teenage rebellion. Um, Very, very fun song to just kind of sing mindlessly and not focus on the lyrics. I feel like it would be a very popular song growing up, 
it's just one of those songs that no one really paid attention to the words to. Because there's a lot of weird songs out there that we grew up with that have really, really strange lyrics. But we just don't focus on them. We just have a good time. So that's Townie. Let's move on to the third song, First Love Slash Late Spring. So we start with first one. The black hole of the window where you sleep. The night breeze carries something sweet, a peach tree. Wild women don't get the blues, but I find that lately I've been crying like a tall child. So the black hole of the window can kind of be seen as a divide between her room and the outside world, sucking her into the window frame and urging her to jump. Um, The peach tree smells wafting into her room, sort of like memories of the outside world that are kind of coaxing her to that window frame. Um, She cries a lot, she mentions, crying like a tall child, insinuating wanting to be drawn to a love to rely on, as most are drawn to suicide. There's a big comparison in this song between, you know, jumping off a building, you know, suicide-wise. And love-wise, jumping off that ledge and just into a whole world of love. So here's the chorus. So please hurry, leave me. I can't breathe. Please don't say you love me. Mune ga hachiki sode. That's Japanese. I don't think I pronounced it right, but it's fine. One word from you and I would jump off of this ledge I'm on, baby. Tell me don't so I can crawl back in. So in the chorus, it seems like love is suffocating. In the Japanese line, mune ga chi, that one, you know, whatever. Um, my heart is going to burst is what it translates to. With one word, she would dive headfirst into love, even if it's terrifying and suffocating. Verse two, um, I was so young when I behaved 25, yet now I find I've grown into a tall child and I don't want to go home yet. Let me walk to the top of the big night sky. Being forced to grow up early is kind of what I get from here. And behave 25, how she just lived. She grew up early, she acted older, and now, later in life, she reverts back to that child who doesn't know how to express emotion, lots of dependence, and crying. She doesn't want to go home, like a child who's infatuated with this idea of love, new and scary and invigorating. Then we go back to the chorus, is repeated. Um, So then we just go back to genius lyrics. Um... Wild women don't get the blues. Kind of like different women or crazy women or women who don't act as society wants them to be. They don't behave the same. And as such, she thinks that they are immune to the blues or being sad. Um, There's a lot of focus on jumping off of the ledge, jumping off of the window. Specifically in the chorus, jump off this ledge I'm on. Tell me don't so I can crawl back in. Jump off the ledge to kind of admit that it's her first love. Being petrified to admit that it is love. Really doesn't want to admit it to herself. Um, and then she compares herself to this child in both emotional and dependence matters. You know, she doesn't really know how to regulate those emotions as well. And she's very dependent on the significant other and is terrified to admit that it could be love. The same way that a lot of people are terrified to admit that they are struggling in those matters. So that is First Love, Late Spring. Let's move on to the fourth song, Francis Forever. Verse one, I don't know what to do without you. I don't know where to put my hands. I've been trying to lay my head down, but I'm writing this at 3 a.m. So we open with this familiar struggle of someone that you love leaving and being unable to move and function and sleep and just, you don't really know what to do. You're so used to this and now it's gone. I don't need the world to see that I've been the best I can be, but I don't think I could stand to be where you don't see me. So she can't stand living in a world where her significant other no longer sees her or notices her, but she doesn't care if the outside world can see that she's putting in her best effort. She only cares that she has that opinion from her significant other, that she relies on that opinion as kind of her identity. 
Verse 2, on sunny days, I go out walking. I end up on a tree-lined street. I look up at the gaps of sunlight. I miss you more than anything. So it opens with the struggles of moving on and every little thing you do and any little distraction kind of reminding you of them and being unable to distract yourself from it anymore. Um, We go back to the chorus. Um, And then the second chorus, and autumn comes when you're not yet done with the summer passing by, but I don't think I could stand to be where you don't see me. So there's a very familiar idea of the seasons passing in this album and in a lot of her albums, very commonly used analogy. So the seasons are passing and she still isn't able to heal and be over it. No matter how much time has passed, she's still struggling and she still can't forget. So that's Francis Forever. Now let's look at Genius Lyrics and their thought on Francis Forever. So the chorus, I don't need the world to see that I've been the best I can be, opens with not caring what others think, but the dependence on her lover's opinions on her. Really a big contrast between not caring and caring too much. On verse 2, with the sunny days, gaps of sunlight, the trees, um, it relies on a Japanese word, which doesn't really translate to English, komorebi. I don't think I pronounced that correctly, but It's basically the interplay between leaves and light, which is commonly used throughout the album. It's often used to refer to longing and nostalgia for someone far away. And the last line of the verse, too, I miss you more than anything. It's a little blunt. It's different from the rest of the verse. It's almost blurted out and sudden, like she can't contain the feeling anymore after all her distractions have failed her. So that is Francis Forever. Now let's move on to the fifth song of the album, I Don't Smoke. Now there's two versions of this song that I want to talk about, but I'm really going to focus on the recorded version for the 2014 album, which is the album that we're focusing on right now. The other version is a live recorded version with Audio Tree Live, which I think she has five songs on that album that she recorded live. It's a much different feeling, but I'll talk about that more towards the end of this song. Right now we're just going to focus on the pre-recorded version. Verse 1, I don't smoke except for when I'm missing you to remember your mouth, how it tasted true. And I don't smoke except for after I've held you, baby. Being with you makes the flame burn good. So throughout the song, we're going to see there's a general theme of missing a toxic and abusive relationship and falling in love with the hurt and the dependence on the hurt, which is very similar to Stockholm Syndrome. She smokes to remember how it feels to hurt and how it feels to be with the person who hurts her. And because she knows that aside from the hurt that person gives her, it's still that person, and she is addicted to that person. So if you need to be mean, be mean to me. I can take it and put it inside of me. If your hands need to break more than trinkets in your room, you can lean on my arm as you break my heart. So she really allows herself to be broken and hurt by her partner if it means that they'll stay together. She gets kind of addicted to the pain and the treatment, and she kind of pushes it off and doesn't think much of it because she believes this is still the person that she loves. So verse two, I'm what's left of when we swam under the moon. Now the rest of my days are just waiting for when you come down and tell me I was meant for you, baby. Being with you makes the flame burn good. So she focuses on these good times, the swimming under the moon, the memories before it started getting bad. And she believes that if she still has those memories, because she knows that those memories happened, she knows that that person is still a good person, that eventually they'll show it again. She's really waiting for it to show because she knows it's there and she spends all of her time waiting for it to show. 
um, repeat on the chorus, but then chorus two pops in. Just don't leave me alone wondering where you are. I'm stronger than you give me credit for. If your hands need to break more than trinkets in your room, you can lean on my arm as you break my heart. She urges him not to leave her alone and make her worry, but she expresses that dealing with all this pain won't make her leave because she is stronger than he realizes and will endure this pain. She can handle this pain for his sake. So now let's get into the audio tree verses, the recorded. The recorded version is softer, a lot more emphasis on the love. It's more gentle. It works better with the album. But the audio tree version is more angry, more harsh. Even the instrumentation is a little more aggressive, which shows kind of an evolvance of the feelings within the song and maybe even a little disconnect between how she felt writing the song and how she feels performing it now. But that's all speculation. Now let's go back and look at the genius lyrics side of it. So the, the emphasis in the beginning of the smoking introduces smoking as a coping mechanism for loneliness. Um, you know, she relies on smoking to remind her of this person and she relies on smoking to just get her through all of it. Um, she urges her lover that they can endure the pain with them and not be ashamed of being destructive. Um, she's very contrasting the harsh nature of the song by saying that she can endure the pain and that she's strong enough to do it. Um, so that is I Don't Smoke. Now let's go to the sixth song, Jobless Monday. It's a windy afternoon, can't afford to buy my food or the drive I need to go further than they said I'd go. Um, we, we really open with the idea of not being able to afford anything, and this discourages her and leaves her unable to find the motivation to prove people wrong and to get herself out of the state of poverty. It's that vicious cycle of just not being able to get out of it. Um, he only loves me when there's a means he means to end. Oh, I missed when we first met. He didn't know me yet. He really, she emphasizes this man only loves her when he can't, when he can be in control or when he has a reason to love her. He doesn't love her just because he loves her unconditionally. And she misses when they first met and when that love was pure and when that everything was simpler. So take me out, baby. Makes no difference where we'll be. As long as we're out in the sun, take me out, baby. Take me out, baby. Doesn't matter where, we're, where we'll be. But please, under the light of day, take me out, take me out, take me out, baby. So, Genius Lyrics adds a little to this. Um, as the album progresses, the season of change, and it seems to get colder. Where we open in this song, it's windy afternoon. It's cold. It's bitter. It's a bitter song. She doesn't feel important to the other person in the relationship and there's just this theme of the relationship on its last legs the spark is gone and she can't really get over that it's over he doesn't love her unconditionally anymore she wants to stay in the sun in the honeymoon phase but she's unable to um so that's jobless monday pretty short pretty simple now the seventh song drunk walk home is a very fun song if you have a lot of hatred for someone or a lot of anger for someone it's a very emotional song I mean, the title itself, Drunk Walk Home, if you're an emotional person and you have a lot of pent up anger and you're drunk and you're walking home and you're angry, I mean, you're going to have a lot of stuff to say. So I will retire to the Salton Sea at the age of 23, for I'm starting to learn I may never be free. But though I may never be free, fuck you and your money. I'm tired of your money. So we open with this feeling of giving up young because she feels like she isn't free and that daily life and her relationships leave her trapped. Now, the idea of the money. It, there's two possible ideas to this. It could be she doesn't want other people to help her out. You know, her parents could fund her. They could try to give her the money, but she doesn't want it. She's tired of it. Or what I think is more likely, um, 
people who use their wealth to get through life, but she's unable to do the same. They use their money and they exist and they live happily and they don't struggle. And I think that's probably more likely. She's tired of the world and how it works and how unfair it is to those who aren't filthy rich. So verse two, I sit on the curb because it's the prettiest night with no one else in sight. You know, I wore this dress for you, these killer heels for you. See the dark, it moves with every breath of the breeze. So she takes time to sit down and enjoy that quiet night, which is a contrast from her hectic life. Her efforts to impress her date, who we assume she isn't going home with because she got wasted after the date and is very angry about it, um, they go unnoticed. She wore the dress, she wore the heels, and it didn't really do anything. So there's this idea and this concept of rambling about all this pent-up rage while she's drunk. And then at the end of the song, there's a decent 30 seconds of screaming um, with very intense background music, which kind of shows like the letting go point and finally giving in to their frustration. She's done. She's tired of it. So Genius Lyrics has a little bit on this. Um, the Salt and Sea. This is a sea, very famously, lots of creatures wash up dead. Very gross sea. Um, don't, don't, I don't think they really know why. Maybe something to do with the salt. I don't know. But the analogy of retiring to the salt and sea kind of is giving up. Especially young. Retiring at age 23, she gives up. She's done. Um, sitting alone on the prettiest nights. She's acknowledging that she's the only one to appreciate this gorgeous night. And she's tortured by this fact. She's simultaneously happy that it's a gorgeous night. And then realizes she's alone. No one else will appreciate it. Um, the darkness moving alludes to the idea of kind of slowly being killed by the world and how dark it is. When you think about it, this song has a lot of commentary on the world and how messed up the way that things are and the way that life is, how unfair it can be, especially if you aren't fil filthy rich and white. So yeah, that is Drunk Walk Home. Now we go to our eighth song, um, I Will. The title kind of describes the song very well. A lot of repetition with the phrase that I will. It's one of the more lighthearted songs, of course, not really lighthearted when you really look at the lyrics and go in depth, but it's the most lighthearted one on the soundtrack. So let's just dive into it. I will take good care of you. I will take good care of you. Everything you feel is good if you would only let you. I will wash your hair at night and dry it off with care. I will see your body bare and I will still live here. So she kind of to summarize, she says, you know, I will take care of you. Your feelings are valid and should be expressed. I will see you vulnerable and I will remain with you. There's no need to be brave. I can be brave for the both of us and I will take your burdens and pain and endure them for you. So she's really just comforting this figure, whoever she speaks of, comforting them, telling them that they're, they're valid, they're heard and seeing them at their vulnerable points and still staying. So stay with me. Hold my hand. There's no need to be brave. And all the quiet nights you bear, seal them up with care. No one needs to know they're there, for I will hold them for you, you know, carrying their burdens for them. Because all I ever wanted is here, all I ever want, wanted, all I want is always you. It's always you. Um, you know, that idea of, I want you, all of you, even your pain and your bad parts, and I will take them on because I love you and I want to help you endure them. And we're not out of the tunnel. I bet you, though, there's an end. Stay with me, hold my hand. There's no need to be brave. So, you know, the very common analogy of the dark times being a tunnel. There's an end to the tunnel. That's why it's a tunnel. Even if you can't see it, there's the end. So it's that theme of just comforting someone, you know, continuing to say that things are bad now, but the end. Um, and while you sleep, I'll be scared. So by the time you wake, I'll be brave. I'll be brave. I'll be brave. So 
And this is where it turns a little bit. Um, it's kind of saying, I'll put my fears aside to comfort you, and I'll have my own when you're asleep. And when you wake up, I'll be there for you again, despite how I'm feeling. She's putting away how she feels and really just in taking on their burdens. Now, there isn't much that Genius Lyrics comments on this. One thing I thought was interesting is the phrase, if you would only let you, where it should be, if you would only let me, like, if you'll only let me do this for you. But it's, if you would only let you. And some people believe that this is, this is because she's talking to herself and trying to comfort herself. If you would only let you do this for yourself. Although I don't know if the rest of the song really agrees with that as much. I don't know. That's just one theory. Um, so that is I Will. Now let's move on to the ninth song, which is Carry Me Out. Now, this is one of my favorite songs in the album. It's beautiful, both, you know, word-wise, word uh, theme-wise, just music-wise. I don't know. It's one of my favorites. So, at night on the rooftop, I untie my hair and watch from my plastic chair as my dark hair unleashes the night. So she takes down her hair in the beginning, which is unleashing the night. There's two kind of ideas here. You know, she has black hair, so it could just be the comparison between black and night. But it also could be letting down her hair means letting down her guard and letting herself face the darkness and really experiencing it after a whole day of being defensive. Um, the scent of flowers still in bloom from the morning shower, and I say your name and hope she'll hear it in the stars. So saying your name, hoping you'll hear it in the stars can mean the loss of someone, whether that means they're dead or they just left, you know, the fresh flowers being gifts of con consoling um, or just just the smell of happy, peppy flowers taunting her and kind of invalidating that pain she's feeling. And carry me out, carry me out. I drive when it rains, at night when it rains I drive. And the headlight spirits, they lead me down the sticks, so black it shines. And carry me out, carry me out. So, you know, she's driving when it's dark and rainy, maybe hoping for the rainy road to kind of take her away from the world, kind of distract her. Um, the rain leading her down the river Styx, which pretty sure most of you know, the river of the underworld, as the spirits kind of guide her down. Um, the line, so black it shines, is a very nice line with the contrast of finding light within the darkness. But this could also just be seen as having so much dark that it's bright and blinding. Um, at night on the rooftop, I untie my hair and watch for my plastic chair as my dark hair unleashes the night. You know, a little rephrasing of verse one. So Genius Lyrics has a couple ideas. Um, the dark hair, like I kind of mentioned earlier is common in Japanese women, and she describes herself poetically in the sense, which could be seen as a sense of act love. Or self-love. That's not what I meant to say. Um, the scent of the flowers in the beginning to the dark rain of end kind of shows a drastic contrasting character throughout the album, and it shows her growth, whether it took years to get to that point or just throughout the album itself. Um, you know, she's driving recklessly on this rainy road, hoping that the spirits will keep her safe, hoping that nothing will happen, even though she's being reckless. Um, so that's Carry Me Out. Now we're moving on to the last song of the album, the 10th song, Last Words of a Shooting Star. Now this is my probably second favorite song. Before I even ended up looking into the lyrics, it was always one of my favorites, you know. It's peaceful, nice analogies. And then you look into the lyrics and you see how much meaning there is in all these words. So verse one, all of this turbulence wasn't forecasted. Apologies from the intercom. And I am relieved that I left my room tidy. They'll think of me kindly when they come for my things. They'll never know how I stared at the dark in that room with no thoughts like a blood-sniffing shark. And while my dreams made music in the night, carefully, I was going to live. 
And there's a lot there that I think is very important. You know, it opens with the turbulence, which there's a lot of mention of turbulence forecasted, you know, changing, which can be compared to planes. You know, turbulence on the plane, the intercom says we're sorry. Um, the turbulence can represent the obstacles that she's that she's faced throughout her life that she didn't really expect she would have to face. Um, leaving her room tidy when people come to get her stuff. When people come to move her things from her house after her death, she hopes that they will notice how neat her room is and they'll be unburdened by it. And it kind of emphasizes no one knowing that side of her and how much time she spent in pain. Um, we move on. You wouldn't leave till we loved in the morning. You'd learn from movies how love ought to be. And you'd say you love me and look in my eyes, but I know through mine you were looking in yours. And did you know the Liberty Bell is a replica, silently housed in its original walls? And while its dreams played music in the night, quietly it was told to believe. So the through my eyes you were looking in yours is could be, you know, a lover looking straight through her and only using them, only using her for themselves. Um, personally, I think throughout the song, there's this big, like analogy to almost a star you know a celebrity being used and isolated with no one realizing the pain she endures and the secret side of herself you know being a replica being silent being perfect being told to push through um people using her for their own gain um then we move on to verse three i always wanted to die clean and pretty but i'd be too busy on working days so i am relieved that the turbulence wasn't forecasted i couldn't have changed anyways i am relieved that i've left my room tidy goodbye so she's glad that her death was sudden so that she could die how she wanted and she wouldn't bird like she wouldn't put it off how she did before um, she knew that she couldn't have changed how she died but she's still happy despite that so there's a lot that genius lyrics helped to kind of introduce here the intercom which apologizes for the turbulence in the first verse the intercom can be seen as the world's knowing how it crushes people but continuing to do so the damage is already done but they apologize anyways um there's a big message here with the use of you know tidying her room being clean when she dies um cleaning your room can be seen as a sign of suicidal ideation um my room being clean means they won't have to deal with my stuff and they won't be burdened um which is used in a bunch of different ways. Um, the shark, the blood-sniffing shark, you know, in her room. Um, so there's the generalization of sharks going crazy at the smell of blood and yet getting fixated on that idea. So she could be fixated on the idea to live or to die or any other hyperfixation. Um, going back to how her lover treats her, um, him learning from movies how love ought to be. Um, you know, the lover has a system for how the relationship must go, and this makes the love feel forced and routine, and she doesn't really feel much more than a tool for their enjoyment. The Liberty Bell analogy, I think, is very powerful. Um, the Liberty Bell, you know, was cracked by its own music and replaced, um, and then it was just a replica without being able to show that scar of their their life with pride. And it kind of emphasizes the idea of if is pushing through the pain no matter the cost even valid anymore when you just take away what happens afterwards and replace it with this completely perfect new one um then going to the end you know wanting to die clean and pretty but i'd be too busy on working days she's too busy to kill herself she's detached from the severity of that idea like oh that's just another task i'm just gonna keep putting it off because i'm busy and i have stuff to do but since it's sudden she dies clean and pretty how she wanted to, but wanting to die clean 
is similar to that tidying up of the room to unburden people. And she wants to be unburdening to those she loves as she dies pretty and clean. So that's Last Words of a Shooting Star. And there we have it. That is all 10 songs off of the album. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed this album. I know I sure did. So now we're going to get to the last part, which is the flower association or plant association, like I mentioned in the beginning. So, you know, plants throughout history have had very interesting representations and meetings that people have used. Um, and they've changed throughout the years in a lot of different ways. So there's a lot of different meanings and a lot of different plants that share those meanings. You know, there's a lot to work with. So I did a little bit of research. And I think the overarching themes of this this album is, you know, loss and like coping with that and grief and losing the fight, you know, really just going through something difficult. And so I thought that a good representation of this would be the cyclamen. Um, which represents separation, goodbye, and death. You know, a parting parting wish, saying goodbye, whether it be in a good way, an angry way, a bad way, a peaceful way. And death, ultimately, whether it be the death of Mitski personally or the death of the relationship. I think that was a good representation. And I just realized maybe it wasn't the best idea to start out a podcast with one of the most depressing albums that I can come up with. But in my defense, I didn't expect this album to be as dark and depressing as I did in the beginning. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, I can't guarantee it'll be weekly, really regularly, because I have a feeling I'm going to forget. And it might the format might change a little bit. You know, I'm still experimenting. I've really only done a couple test runs of this, and this is my best result. So if you have any ideas, feel free to um, shoot the Instagram a DM, you know, LinkedIn, the profile. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening.